Hi, this is Jerome Gilmartin, JMJ Catholic Radio, bringing local and EWTN Catholic programming to northeastern and central Pennsylvania. Welcome to the In the Father's Hands program with host Mary-Kate Grady. Mary-Kate's guest today is Amber Rose Schneider, known in Catholic circles as the religious hippie. Amber was a cradle Catholic but fell away from the church, and eight years later she came back to her faith and now educates others on the beauty and teachings of the Catholic Church. Amber hosts a popular bi-weekly podcast called A Catholic's Perspective with the Religious Hippie, where she shares lessons and provides straight talk from the perspective of a young Catholic. And she also shares the faith through talks, videos, and social media. Amber is studying graphic design through Liberty University Online and lives in the Chicago area. Mary-Kate? Thank you so much, Jerry, and it's so good to be back with you all again. Um, It's my hope that you had a really blessed Holy Week, and now we're into the great octave of Easter. I'm getting ready for Divine Mercy Sunday coming this weekend. Um, Just so a lot of prayers um, and hopes that you're having a really blessed Easter season and week. And remember, Easter's a whole season, so keep saying Happy Easter to whoever you see. Um, So thanks so much for being with us again. And just a couple housekeeping tips real quick before we jump in. Um, If you're interested in supporting JMJ Catholic Radio, you have any questions for them, um, don't hesitate to give them a call at 570-287-4670. Or you could write to them at P.O. Box 851, Pittston, Pennsylvania, 18640. And then just a reminder, our program here in the Father's Hands is on JMJ Catholic Radio on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, but you can also go online and look up our podcast um, in the Father's Hand podcast. So please go ahead and do that. Um, and let's go ahead and open up our scriptures as we do every week to the Gospel of St. John, Chapter 10. Verses 27, where Jesus promises us and says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And um, as I invite you to do often, please just sit with this verse during any prayer time you have, and just reflect and remember throughout your day that the Heavenly Father does hold us in His hands. He has a plan for our life. Um, He is closer to us than we are to ourselves. Um, He loves us so much, and there's so much meaning and worth to our life, and He's he's with us every step of the way. Sometimes we feel Him strongly, other times not. Um, But be assured in this promise and these words of Jesus that the Father is holding us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for Um, your great love for us, and we pray especially during this Easter season to grow closer to you and to your Son. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And we're really excited today to have Amber join us. Amber, thanks for coming on the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be on. Yeah. So, Amber, I my first question always, which actually sometimes proves to be the hardest for a lot of people, I always ask someone to pin down a favorite scripture verse or part of scripture. I don't know if you had something to share with us today. You know, my favorite verse always came from the Gospel of Matthew, and it came from the Beatitudes, you know, because I think 
especially in these days and times, the Beatitudes really helped me with my faith, you know, especially when mm. um, we be, we're being ridiculed so much in social circles and culture in general, Christians are really under attack. And the Beatitudes, they just kind of remind me that, you know, earth is not our true home. Heaven is, and the suffering mm. we endure on earth, it you know, it sanctifies us for the better. And um, I just kind of keep that in mind, and it really helps me push along in these hard times. Is there any favorite beatitude that you have? Is there any one that, like, really gets you? Oh, gosh, probably, um, um, like, blessed are the, uh, those who mourn. I forget the exact verse, but it's like, blessed are those who mourn for, um, they will find comfort or something in the kingdom Mm -hmm. of heaven. I forget the exact verse, but that one's always been very close to my heart as well as Our Lady of Sorrows. So, uh, sorrowful mysteries, all of that stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. And I think the Beatitudes, they're they're in the fifth chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. And, you know, just kind of going along with the... Um, the theme of uh, the program here, I always like to, um, to to sit and like reflect in my own life, but also to ask my guests um, if they just would share with us a little bit about, um, you know, how maybe in your life you felt the Holy, the Heavenly Father has guided your life, um, has held you in his hands. A lot of times we look back in our life and sometimes we see it when we look back. We're not necessarily seeing it as it's happening um, but if you would share with us just a little bit, maybe in your own life, about how you really felt like the Heavenly Father has guided you and just held you in His hands, been so involved in your life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's always in hindsight, like you say. Uh, looking back, you know, I keep these prayer journals, and when I go back and I look through them, I see all the ways that God has answered my prayers, but not in the way that I wanted Him to, but it sure. ended up being for the better. Um And one of those ways is especially, you know, I'm 24, and so being a young adult a few years ago, or still being a young adult, but, you know, a few years ago, um, I was in a a relationship that wasn't the best. And it's not not like it was super abusive or anything like that, but he was not Catholic, and I really needed somebody to lead me in the faith. And Mm. I was really trying to force this relationship to work, um, and it just wasn't working out, and it was so hard to go through the breakup process and um, not because I knew it was wrong, but because I just, I, I, you know, we'd been friends for so long and I knew it was Mm going to be difficult and I didn't want to hurt them either. Mm -hmm. But afterwards, you know, feeling this sense of peace and just comfort, um, knowing that I did make the right decision, not just for myself, but for that person as well. Um, Knowing that, you know, they will find somebody that's better for them and I will find somebody who's better for me. Um, and, and I just had so much peace in that. And so I think a lot of young adults can relate to being afraid of, you know, getting out of a relationship or something, even though they know it's wrong or it's not going to work out because they're afraid of what might come next. But sure. in reality, like God has you, like he knows, you know, and, you know, yeah. if you submit to his will and, and even if it's scary, you know, he, he will see you through. And I think that, you know, that a lot of times God, well, not all, all the time, really, God is just constantly wanting to save us. And so a lot of times he allows things to happen to us that we're like, you're a loving father. You know, why would you allow this to happen to me? But as you're saying, with the hindsight 2020 and everything that, um, you know, he he's wanting us to be saved. And I think sometimes he allows hard things to happen oh, yeah. 
but you know he's like there's something better to come from that it's so hard in the moment to realize that you know Right. I mean, and that's something else that people um, need to realize, too, is that just like we can't have, um, you know, courage without fear, you know, without suffering, we can't have joy. So Mm. I think it's really important to remember that suffering is, you know, sanctifying and it does serve a purpose um, if we turn and we we turn to God for it. Yeah. So, Amber, have you always... um, have you always felt like the father's presence in your life or you've been kind of up and down points with that? Yeah, I, you know, I was born and raised a cradle Catholic. I was raised going to the traditional Latin mass, which not many people can say that they were raised in it. Many people convert and then go to the TLM. That's true. But That's true. Yeah. yeah. And so my dad was raised in the TLM and he wanted the same thing from me and my sister. And so I was raised, I had my first Holy Communion there and I had my confirmation there. Um, Around 2011 is when we fell away from the faith um, due to some sex scandals going on at the time. And many families left the church. They didn't exactly know um, how to handle it. And one of, you know, my family is one of those. And so I wasn't really against it, to be honest, because I was like, well, I can text my friends and I can have sleepovers and from Saturday into Sunday. And I don't have to observe all these feast days and fasting. Mm And um, it was almost to me like freedom, you know, like, oh, finally, I get rid of this rigid rules and these rule books and things. And Mm. to me, as a young, a young teen, you know, I I viewed, I viewed it as freeing, you know, I can do whatever I want with no consequences. And obviously, that's not the case. (laughs) Um, But I, I definitely viewed it in that way. And it led me down this horrible path for eight years of I was sexualized constantly by peers, you know, um, I was introduced to pornography when I was 11, which I struggled with for a very long time before coming back into my faith. Um, you know, I was bullied. I was ridiculed. I had anxiety and depression. There were just so many things that were going wrong, you know, in my life during those mm. eight years. And, yeah. you know, in eight years, we kind of look back and we're like, oh, it's not that long. But, you know, I did a lot of damage in eight years. And... God was kind of just a second thought to me. He never really came to the forefront of my mind, even though I was raised in it. So certain things would be like, oh, yeah, I'll go to church. But I didn't care where I went. You know, if my friend was like, oh, I'm going to church and she was Protestant, I just followed her like whatever. But most of the time I didn't even go. Um, And it was around uh, 2018 or 19 when... One of my friends heard about this youth group at a Catholic church down the street from me, and they were having a bonfire and barbecue, and she didn't want to go because it was Catholic. She just wanted to go because it was a barbecue, and she was like, I want to party, and I was like, okay, (laughs) and she didn't want to go alone because she needed a designated driver, so I went with, and I met some really cool people there, and I thought, wow, this is interesting, but I wasn't like converting you know it wasn't like oh you know i'm gonna come back to the faith it was more like yeah these people are pretty cool um a few months later i still wasn't going to church or anything but a few months later i remember being in bed and it was like my lowest point i was depressed all of my friends were walking all over me and many of them left because i started kind of gaining a bit of a backbone and standing up for myself and um there were a lot of rumors going around that were false and just typical high school craziness. Yeah. 
And I remember it was Sunday and I was thinking like, okay, I have a paper to do. I have all these things. But then for some reason, something popped into my mind, you know, like, you know, I used to go to church with my family and like we used to do stuff like that. You know, um, maybe that's something I could do again. And I knew that I already knew some people from the church down the street. So I was like, well, you know, maybe it's worth a shot. So I went and actually looking back on it, um, you know, it was, I don't believe it was Divine Mercy Sunday, but it had, there was a date that involved uh, Divine Mercy, which Mm -hmm. is a reoccurring thing in my life, Divine Mercy. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I went to church, I sat in the back and I had this panic attack, basically. I, I just thought everybody was judging me. Everybody there knew that I was fake and I didn't actually know what I was doing and I was falling away. But then there was the consecration and the priest elevated Jesus um, for consecration. And time just kind of stopped. It wasn't even, it it was supernatural. It, It wasn't just my mind playing tricks on me. And I felt Jesus speak into my heart. He said, do you trust me? And I remember kind of being surprised at first. I was like, hello, like, God, is that you? (laughs) Um, But, you know, obviously it wasn't anybody else. And so, you know, he asked again, he's like, do you trust me? And I said, no, like, why should I do that? And I, you know, mentally, I just went down this list of all the stuff I went through, all the suffering, all the craziness, like we were talking about in the beginning, you know, why do bad things happen to me? I was really struggling with that. But instead of, you know, giving me answers or anything, he just kept asking me, he's like, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And it was almost like he was taking a chisel and a hammer to my stone cold heart because at that mm. point, you know, I, I'd been through so much that I I felt like I was broken and I tried to harden my heart in order to basically survive. Right, right. And um, eventually he, he cracked it and I said, maybe. I said I could try, you know, and that's all he needed to start working miracles in my life and, you know, weeding out vices and sins that I struggled with for years. And I tried quitting multiple times with these vices, you know, self-harm, pornography, addictions, all of those things. And, you know, in a matter of maybe six months to a year, he helped me really weed those things out of my life through confession and the sacraments. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, so it's interesting you're mentioning about the, the divine mercy theme because, you know, sometimes I think, Amber, like people don't, um, they don't necessarily want to acknowledge that they're doing something wrong because they're, it's not so much about admitting they're doing something wrong. They're afraid about what comes after that. Mm, you know, if you so admit, true. like, if you admit that you, like, made a mistake or you messed up or you're doing something you shouldn't be doing... Like, who's going to stand by you when you admit it, you know? Right. Like, that's, like, the beautiful thing about realizing the Father's love. And to me, the beautiful thing about the Divine Mercy devotion is, you know, like, someone's waiting there with open arms for you. And, like, it doesn't matter what you have to say. And, like, admitting that you've made a mistake or t- went down the wrong track. Like, you have someone with open arms waiting to be like, okay, I'm going to help you. You know, I want I want to help you. I've, just, I've been waiting to help you. You know, and I think a lot of people don't realize that if they say like acknowledge maybe they they messed up or or doing something they shouldn't be doing like god's there with like open arms just like waiting waiting for them you know Um, yeah and um i think i i you know i think a lot of times when i speak to people and they're like nervous and they don't want to they make light or they they don't want to admit that like 
they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. Like, I see what's behind that. There's, like, the fear there of, like, not being loved. You know, like, that's just right. what we all want. We want to be loved, you know? So. And I think that's something our our generation, my generation, I'm a Gen Z, I was right on the cusp, really struggles with is self-worth. I mean, we live in this culture of death. And, you know, yeah. if you don't respect an innocent human life at the beginning of conception, how do we expect to respect life, you know, further into our lives, you know, as teens and adults. And sure. I think there's this um, kind of a heavy cloud over generations today where there's so much pressure put on us to be perfect, be the entrepreneur, work for yourself, don't have a family, do this, you know, we're, yeah. we're being bombarded from all different directions. But what God is saying is, you know, come as you are, but do not stay as you are. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, completely agreed. And like, when you know you're loved by him, then you're willing to, to make that leap of like, not staying as you coming as you are, but not staying as you are, you're willing to make the leap when you're loved, when you know, you're loved, that makes all the difference, you know, Right. I mean, we think about that, too, just in relationships and stuff. You know, we always say the best apology is changed behavior. And mm -hmm. so if we are truly sorry for offending God and, you know, we truly love him, you know, we talk about fear of God and we don't talk about fear of God in the way of we're afraid of God. We talk about it in the way that we're afraid of hurting God, just like I would be afraid of hurting my boyfriend, you know, if I did something bad, sure. um, you know, that kind of fear. That's what we're afraid of. We're not fearing God himself. I mean, obviously we should have fear of the Lord, but yeah. you know, it's more in the sense we're afraid of hurting him. And when we go to confession and we make this absolution or we get the absolution and we have this contrition to change our ways, you know, it doesn't mean that we're not going to slip up here or there again, because God's very forgiving, but we really should have that intention, you know, of changing ourselves and being better because we do love God and he loves us. Right. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's so interesting. So now that you're, what did you say, your generation what? I'm, I'm technically Generation Z, but I'm, like, right on the cusp of millennial in generation. Okay, well, I'm a millennial. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a solidified millennial. But um, so how do, you, how do you speak to people of your generation then, Amber, since you've had this experience, you've gone through this, you know, God uses everything as much as he can in our lives to help us and other people around us. So obviously, like, he's... He's reached out into your life, but he wants to use you to reach out into so many other people's lives that are having similar experiences than you, but they're not where you're at right now. So how do you reach out to those people? Yeah, it can be difficult, especially because a lot of people, everybody's on a different spiritual journey. And, you know, social media is one of those things that's a wonderful tool, but it can also not be helpful sometimes. Sure. Um, because there's so much information out there and it's not all accurate, even when it comes to the faith. And so I started my, my media, it kind of fell into my lap. I didn't automatically start it to become an evangel, you know, to evangelize. Um, I just wanted to share my own faith journey because when I was looking for somebody um, who was Catholic and a young adult, I couldn't find anybody on YouTube or Instagram at the time. And so I decided to become that person for other people. Mm -hmm. And, that's where it started. And sure. as I started kind of just sharing my own story and sharing the struggles that I went through, the more people opened up and were like, I'm going through this too. I thought I was alone. You know, it's, right. it's about honesty and being real with people. 
not like these other influencers. I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them, you know, they're just like, oh, as soon as I gave my life to Christ, like everything went away, like all my depression was gone and healed. God can work miracles. And I think that's wonderful. But setting up this unrealistic expectation that you're not going to have any suffering is completely mm. contradictory to the Christian faith. Sure. Like Jesus suffered and died one of the most horrific deaths for us. And we're expected to not do the same. Mm, Obviously, yeah. we probably won't be crucified in today's day and age in the United States. But at the same time, like, we will still go through a lot of suffering because, you know, um, Jesus said, you know, they hate you because they hated me first. Um, also, I think giving people truth. People are so tired of all of the, you know, the... the um, the downplaying of certain things and watering things down and making things more, um, I don't know, socially acceptable maybe. And when sure. these young people know in their conscience that certain things are wrong, you know, and the world is affirming them saying, no, 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 they're right. Like sex outside of marriage is good. Like you should be with as many partners to test the field and, you right. know, and drugs are fine and all these things. And when somebody tells you like, no, your conscience is right. Like, those things are wrong. They're like, oh, I'm not alone. Like, those things are wrong. Even though this has been pushed on me in high school and middle school and friends and family and everybody says this is okay, but my conscience is telling me it's wrong, there's somebody else out there who knows it's wrong too. You sure. know, yeah. um, having that affirmation that they're not alone in that thinking because I think especially in high school and college even you know you're a part of group thinking a lot of the times and when somebody branches out and starts actually doing their own research and going down a different path you get ridiculed for that and that can be very difficult absolutely um, yeah but really trying to reach the youth just by telling them like i've been in the same spot you are it might be a little bit different considering circumstances but you know you're not alone and i think yeah. many people feel alone today despite the fact we have social media you know it's a false sense of community yeah and i you know i think it's so great too i mean i just commend you and i thank you for um doing what you're doing because you know there is a sense of like for sometimes younger people they might view um faith as something that older people do you know like oh you're, <laughs> yeah. you're older like when i when i have grandkids i'll do that thing or something and you know you're just like shattering the glass ceiling there you're like i'm 24 and um you know i'm trying to live my life for god and i'm embracing the the religion of the cross you know like okay that's pretty that's pretty wild you know yeah um, no, but like it's you. beautiful you know that you're doing that because you know all different people have um different people that re reach them and you know it's important for younger people to see the other younger people like value god have a relationship with him he affects their lives and you know like, like as you were saying people i think i think the the thing for a lot of us is just like maybe being evangelist, working past like the rejection part a little bit, because I I used to help with youth ministry, and I remember like um, you know you would say things sometimes like young adults right, and they kind of like pretend like they don't care or say something crazy to you. Like I yeah. always had to remind myself like okay they are they're most likely listening, and like they might not ever acknowledge to me that they heard anything I said, and they might actually even say something like out putting like they thought what I said was crazy. But I was like, mm -hmm. they're worth it. They're, they're, they're worth, you know, whatever front they put up that they're not listening. You know, I think that's the thing, too, is that you say things to people and they sometimes give you like crazy responses that they're not interested in, in you sharing about God or faith. 
I always think to myself, maybe they'll think about it, like, when they're by themselves or maybe, like, in a couple of years. Um, right. You know, and so, like, it's almost like we have to, in, in being evangelists, we have to, like, die to ourselves, too, and, like, being rejected because people are worth it. Like, we're we're worth, their souls are worth us being rejected by them. So Absolutely. And I know for a fact, I taught, um, I taught catechesis for sixth graders um, for a year, and I had got those same reactions. And something that I noticed, too, is that a lot of the times they react that way because they're feeling a type of conviction and they don't know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And so they'll react that way. And once they process it, they might come back and just be like, hey, you know, actually what you said, it, you know, it made me think of this. That happened to me all the time when I was first coming back into my faith. I mean, I was 18, 19, and 20, so sure. for those first three years, I was like, sink or swim, basically. Um, yeah. And, you know, I realized that my reaction was the same as these middle schoolers. You know, I was like, you know, whatever, like, yeah. But then later, I'd be, like, crying in my room, and I'd be like, yeah, why am I like that, you know? And yeah. so they have those same reactions and just keeping that doorway open and them knowing that, you know, even years later, if they're in college or they're married even and have kids and they're like, you know, I remember my faith. Just ha- And they might remember you and they might try sure. to reach out when they're in their adulthood and be like, hey, you know, you taught my catechism class when I was like seven, but sure, I remember yeah. you. I mean, just keeping those doorways open is so important. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what? Believe it or not, our time's almost winding down here, Amber. So I wondered if you wouldn't mind real quick here just, like, giving us a little information about, like, your website and about your podcast, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So across all platforms, we have uh, about a quarter of a million followers. So you guys can find us on Twitter, Instagram, my podcast at A Catholic's Perspective. You can find all of the information, though, at my website at thereligioushippie.com. We have a podcast that comes out biweekly. Season three is wrapping up, but yeah, it's just a wonderful time. But thank you so much. Okay, and and do you do you like go and speak places if they wanted you to, Amber, or anything like yeah. that? Yeah, I do a lot of talks. I've done them in Colorado with Bishop Strickland. I've been okay. to Delaware, Pennsylvania. I've been to a lot of places. Okay, all right. So people can get a hold of you on your website if they wanted to contact you for that. Yeah, they can contact me there. My manager is on there, or um, you know, they can shoot me an email. But yeah. So, Amber, do you have a favorite prayer that you'd like to close out our program with? Yeah, absolutely. Mine's kind of short, but it's the Jesus prayer, and it's just one of my most favorites. All right, go ahead. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. I know it's short, but I just absolutely love that prayer. Nope, short's wonderful. (laughs) Short's beautiful. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us, and I'm just going to, at the end here real quick, just remind everybody that this coming Sunday is Divine Mercy Sunday, and for anybody that's in northeastern Pennsylvania listening, um, St. Lucy's in Scranton is having Divine Mercy Sunday at 12.30, and St. Thomas More Parish in Scranton at 1 o'clock. Both are having confessions all day, um, adoration, holy mass. Um, Please take advantage of this wonderful feast of grace. Um, Jesus is just waiting for you. So thank you so much, Amber. God bless you. And please know of our prayers and thanks for everything you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. It was really great being on. Thank you. Okay. God bless you all. Have a good week. We'll be with you again soon. Bye-bye now.